to free you from the very societal programming that has led to a fat, broken, unhappy population. I am one of your co-hosts, Gabe Pluges. What's up? I'm your other co-host, Jack Bly. And today, we have a man who's helped hundreds of people transform their marriage and relationships. Uh, he proclaims that this is not only his profession, but his mission. So welcome, Ilvid Feldman. How are you doing today? Hey, thank God. Yeah, I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for having me on. It's really exciting to be here. Absolutely. We're super excited to have you on here. Um, so first off, can you kind of get into a little bit how you really got into this line of work of helping people with their marriage and relationships? Sure, sure. Absolutely. So um, I've been a very personable person since I was very, very young. I like to tell a story that when I was um, about eight years old, my parents took me to blueberry picking farms. And that's something we have out here in the Midwest. And my whole family was out there standing on the ladders and taking down the blueberries and stuff like that. And I was nowhere to be seen. Now you have to realize that in blueberry picking farms, there's rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of these trees. And they started getting really freaked out because they're looking through these rows and they don't see me anywhere. Where was I? I was standing um, in between some trees talking with this couple who had just gotten married. And I was like literally eight years old and I'm asking them all about their marriage and did they like each other and how did they meet? <laughs> and they were totally opening up to me about all these different things. I mean, of course I was only eight, so it wasn't a real psychology session, but um, it's been something that I've been doing since I was a young boy and um, took a little detour. I uh, spent about 25 years building a technology company, which I still have to this day. Um, and, but then at some point in my early 40s, I decided to take, put that on a backseat, go back to a graduate school for my master's degree in family and marriage therapy, and then have been doing that ever since. So it's been a very rewarding uh, change of career for me and something which I've always felt very tied, you know, drawn to. Yeah, that's awesome. So obviously you kind of started off on, on a different path, but you were able to make this transition into a career that you're, you know, emotionally tied to that you're actually personally invested in. And I think that that's so awesome. And it's great for, you know, people who work with you to understand that if this is truly your passion, truly something that you feel is your mission, not just something um, that you're doing for money, um, which is awesome. Uh, so one thing that I was curious about with kind of, you know, just in today's day and age is you know, we always have been hearing the statistic of the divorce rate being something around 50%. Um, so I wanted to get your take on why you think it's that high and where you see the divorce rate going in the future. Sure, sure. Um, now, you know, I do think that's a great question and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. I wish I had a, the answer that I felt very confident in. Unfortunately, I don't, but I can share with you my thoughts. And that is that um, I think people today, older people and younger people have gotten out of touch with what marriage really means. And I think it's a label that we've kind of pasted on relationships that have reached a certain level. So I think in the normal process and you two young men can affirm or disagree with me but you meet a girl because we are naturally we desire women and women naturally desire to be a, have a partner and we like them and we get emotionally involved we get physically involved 
and we start dating and it becomes you know official right i've heard that phrase like officially dating <laughs> and then you know six months go by one year goes by and at some point oftentimes the woman will come up and say where is this relationship headed and we start talking about engagement and marriage right and then what we do is we decide because we want to take this relationship a step further than just being officially boyfriend and girlfriend, we do the next logical thing, which is to get married. So far, it sounds pretty standard, right? Yeah. Okay. So in people's minds, marriage is the next step after dating, right? That's what makes sense. In my mind, marriage is completely different than dating. It's a totally different thing. It is not the progression from really liking somebody to putting a, a ring on it or you know, putting the ring on the finger. That's not what happens. Marriage is its own institution with you know, shared values, shared beliefs about marriage, obligations. As you know, it's a contract, obligations, commitment, um, a whole perspective on what the next, what the rest of your life is going to be with this person. The dating phase and who you dated it and what happened during that dating is completely different than the day after you wake up <laughs> after the, I shouldn't say the honeymoon is still like, is, is like the best dating you ever had. But then after the honeymoon, real life with a completely different perspective sets in and there's brand new challenges that you didn't even think about when you were dating. And so I think because people look at marriage as an extension of dating and as kind of like a solidification of dating, they miss the whole point. And then when conflict occurs, they say, hey, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I wanted. I'm not happy. She doesn't please me. She doesn't understand me. She, you know, um, things are falling apart. We're arguing, we're fighting. And then people don't know what to do. So they get divorced, you know, and, and because this was a bad date. And when in reality, it's not a bad date at all. It's a misunderstood marriage. And uh, that's part of what I do is I try to work with couples on reframing their understanding of what marriage is all about. And once they work with me and they have a better understanding of what their obligations are as a husband, as a wife, what the proper way to, how do you communicate inside of this relationship? How do you um, present yourself? You know, so many misunderstandings and um, so much room for the breakdown of your relationship when you don't understand what you're trying to do, that marriage is actually bigger than you and her. It's something more and throw kids into the mix. And now you've got a whole other situation. I'm not trying to scare anybody. It's the most beautiful, yeah. <laughs> it's the most beautiful growing experience and connecting experience that two people can have. But you just need to, it's kind of like you wouldn't climb Mount Everest with a pair of Jordans on your feet, right? You wouldn't do that. So it's the same thing here. You got to put on the proper gear and you have to know what you're getting into. You have to understand what your obligation is and then enjoy it. Wow, that's incredible breakdown. <laughs> I, I've never heard anyone, you know, explain it to me like that. So that was that was kind of like light, light switches going off a little bit. Um, but I'm curious, let's take a step back here and maybe what are some practical things that someone can do to make sure that 
you know, they have the right partners so they don't end up on the bad side of the statistics. Right. Well, that was a, a great question and it's a loaded question. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to have a, we can have a decent conversation about this too. In general, I know this is going to sound a little crazy because it's against the grain, but in general, I don't believe in right partners and wrong partners. Okay. There's a huge push today. And I, and I do watch a lot of videos and podcasts about relationships because since I'm on Twitter, I kind of feel like I want to know what the prevailing, you know, ideologies are. And I'm not a big person, a big believer in found the right person or this person's incompatible to me. I always give this example. If you were on a strand, if you were stranded on an island with one woman, Literally, you know, your boat sank and everybody somehow went to a different island, but you ended up washing ashore on this island. You're 23 and, you know, you, you, is that correct, Jack? Are you 23? Did I say that? I'm actually 20. Oh, 20. Okay. So you're 20 and there's a 19 year old girl that's with you. Never met her before. She might not even speak the same language as her, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that if there was no way to get off that island, you would make it work with her? I mean, you would have to, you know, <laughs> you'd have to in the sense of like, that's like the only population left or else, you know, mankind dies. <laughs> Do you think you would love her? I would find a way to, I guess. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Good. Do you think you would have babies with her? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think you would find, you think you would fight with her? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Do you think you would argue about whether then when your kids are 12 years old, whether they should go fishing with you on the boat or they're too young to go fishing with you on the boat or whatever it is that you, I mean, this is life, right? I believe that yeah. every person can get along with every other person. So I don't believe there's a right person. To you. Now, that being said, I don't just believe in just indiscriminately tossing a dart into a large crowd <laughs> that's how you select your soulmate i don't believe that right you know god has given us this gift of discernment and intuition women have more intuition than men but god has given us this ability to kind of feel out you know out of the seven billion people or let's say three and a half billion if you're if you're heterosexual so three and a half billion um I guess even if you're homosexual, it'd be three and a half billion, right? <laughs> um, but um, who's going to best fit with your soul? Who's going to best fit with you, with your personality, with your, you know, um, your emotional constitution, you know? And I do believe that it's important to share common values and to um, really connect with your partner, et cetera. Um, so... I don't know, I, I do have an answer to that question in terms of what are the best things, but I would love to hear your response to what I just said about the idea that there is no, you know, there are people, there aren't, there's no such thing as somebody who's incompatible with you. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that example is, you know, really good, really eye-opening. Yeah, you're, obviously you're good at what you do. <laughs> you have experience with this. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. I think, you know, uh, deep down all humans are, they have good hearts and they want to be good people. So you put two humans next to each other, they, they want to get along. You know, everyone wants to get along. You don't want to fight with someone. There's no reason to do that. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And Gabe, what are you thinking when I said that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that 
especially in today's day and age, that is, is something that can be really relieving for people because with so many um, beliefs and lifestyles being kind of flaunted and shown, um, it seems like people are so different nowadays when, you know, people probably have always had different beliefs, always had different lifestyles, but now we're showing them on social media. We're, you know, making it known that we believe certain things. So people might be afraid that, oh, because this person believes something slightly different than me or lives their life slightly different than me, um, they're not going to be a good fit. When in reality, it's probably just always been like that. We just haven't seen it. Um, and people end up making it work out. So I think that could be a great relief to people in today's social media, um, you know, day and age. Absolutely. I, I like that point very much. And um, I do believe that in social media today, there's a huge push for, you know, finding the right person. The problem with the message of finding the right person is that when things go south, the first thing people say is, I didn't find the right person, right? So then if you believe that you didn't find the right person, what's the only remedy? Finding another person. That's right. Divorce, mm -hmm. right? I like to, I, I don't, that's why I don't like to start from that premise because once I start from that premise, then I'm opening up the door to, you know, well, what then, you know, my, my business would go down. <laughs> no, I honestly would, you know, I don't, I don't like the idea of people, you know, it, look, there are personality types and there are marriages that find themselves in, in hot water for sure, the relationships. So back to your original question, which was, you know, how do you, how do you best, given, given, the, given the fact that um, marriage is anyway going to bring a lot of challenges and there's going to be a lot of issues that come up, right? So how do you best choose a partner that is going to, that you believe will be with you for the long haul? Right. So I just got off the phone actually right before this call. Somebody snuck in a little clarity call, which they can do, you know, off my website. Um, and uh, the, the young man, he was 23. That's why I got a little confused. And he said to me, you know, I've been dating this girl for six months and I'm not really feeling it. And I don't know what I should make it official. And, da, 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 da. and it's just very funny that, you know, I'm not a dating coach. You know, I, the last time I had a date was back in 1993. Okay. <laughs> it's been about 30 years since I went on my last date. Things I'm sure have changed a lot. <laughs> um, but I did give him some, we did have a nice conversation. I did give him a little bit of insight, which was as follows. I said to him, look, the number one thing that you want to look for in your partner is for men is her character. Is she kind? Is she loving? Is she compassionate? Is she generous? Right? Does she show patience? Is she forgiving? Right? Does she desire communication? Is she thoughtful? Right? These are the these are the character traits that's gonna that are gonna really make a difference. It her finances aren't gonna make a difference long. I mean, I'm not talking about somebody. Let's put all the extremes out of this conversation, please. So there's yeah. we're not we're not dating somebody with a massive gambling problem that's going to mortgage your whole house and you know <laughs> give it to Las Vegas. We're not talking about that, right? We're not talking about a psychopath or a diagnosed narcissist. Okay, these are the character traits that are going to really make a difference to you as a man moving forward, right? You're going to want a wife who exhibits these more than anything else. Her looks are going to change for sure, right? 
her finances are going to change. Her emotions are going to change. Her state of mind is going to change. Her health will change, right? All these things go up and down. But character is a very, very important, that character is who she is. And if you have an eye for that, and again, I'm not saying put looks in the background and stuff like that. I understand you're young and we all get attracted to beautiful women and that's totally normal. And if you're not attracted to somebody, that's a sign from your soul telling you that this person isn't necessarily for you. So I, I respect that tremendously. But beyond that, let's just say there is an attraction. So I would say the next most important thing is character. And you can define those characters for yourself. Like what it is that you're looking for in a woman, right? Um, part of the benefit of being older and more experienced like myself is that I can look back and say, okay, you know, this character was really stupid. I can't believe I wanted that. But this one turned out to be, you know, very important. But I trust that you two boys and anybody listening to this can have us at least start off with a list. The next thing I would say are values. Okay, values are very important. I've had many uh, couples that have come to me where he's like a conservative, you know, today he'd be considered alt-right or whatever, <laughs> even though he's just basically a basic Republican, <laughs> you know, and uh, she may be more liberal, you know, and, and I don't have any problem with that. Lots of marriages are like that. I like to tell the story that my, um, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, so but the parents of my, my wife, uh, they, they were married for over 50 years. And uh, starting on day one, they would walk hand in hand to the voting booth together. And they would make a joke to the, the uh, attendant there. And they say, we're here to cancel each other's votes out. Because one always voted Republican for 50 yeah. years, and one always voted Democrat for 50 years. And they had a wonderful marriage for you know, many years. And so, I believe that people can live together, but values are important. Like for instance, let's just say you're a real Christian and that's important to you, right? You don't want to end up fighting with somebody about sending your kids to Christian school versus public school. Or let's just say you're, um, let's just say being outdoors and spending time in nature is very important to you. And the other person is just completely not into that at all. Like where they're antagonistic towards it or more importantly, I'll give you another one that's really important. Uh, children, whether or not you want children or whether or not they don't, don't take it lightly. If somebody says, oh, I don't know if I want kids, that's a red flag for you if you do want kids. Because once you tie the knot and once you're married, it's a big deal. I actually have a friend of mine who, um, who got married to a woman and uh, he was a very family-oriented man. And they had a, like a brief conversation about it, whatever. But after about a year and a half of marriage, it turned out that she didn't want kids and she was serious about it. And they never really had this serious conversation. And this guy is heartbroken. I mean, he's, he's still married to her, you know, 20 years later because he didn't want to dissolve the marriage, but poor guy, right? Yeah. That was some, that was a conversation they needed to have. Uh, even things about money. That's very important, not in terms of how much money you make, but um, how important is money in your life? Right? You don't want to be, dis you don't always feel as a man that you're disappointing your woman because you're not bringing home enough money, right? So to be on the same page on some of these core values, that, that's going to last you a long time, you know? And then the third thing I'll say is um, 
what I would call emotional congruency. Okay, and what that is, is that um, women, one of the main functions for me of my wife is that she can support me in my emotional challenges. And they're not just, and when I say emotional, it doesn't mean I'm throwing a temper tantrum. It could be that I'm having a hard time with somebody at work, a coworker at work, or making a big decision about whether I should spend money on something that's important to me and I'm scared because maybe we don't have all that money or it's obligating me for a per, you know, for payments in the future or something. It can be anything in it. So again, when I say emotional, I don't mean just mean somebody who's mean to me and I want her to help me with my wounds. I'm not talking about that. If you feel like your woman can give you this, the woman that's in your life can give you this heart to heart connection and you really feel like she understands you. And when she speaks to you, you, you absorb what she's saying and it feels like it just hits that right spot in you. It's the most attractive thing ever. It, it, it can change a woman who you are on the fence with to somebody you've completely fallen in love with, right? Because she gets you, she understands you, she contributes to your clarity in life. She's right there. You're so thankful to that person for having an insight that you really need with the patience and caring and love to give it to you. That's really, really important. And this gentleman who just called me, actually that was his biggest complaint. The, the woman was a beautiful woman and he got along with her. They went to baseball games together and they just enjoyed each other. But he felt like when he opened his heart to her, he didn't feel anything coming back. And she's a great woman. There's nothing wrong with that. With somebody else, they may have felt it. But with him, he didn't feel it. And I thought that was a very insightful question to call up and talk to me about because it shows the depth of his character and a wisdom into, you know, what's important in relationships. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Um, I mean, right now, you're kind of just blowing our minds over here and opening our eyes in, in so many ways, which is, um, you know, so valuable for so many people. And I love how you've been talking about, you know, reframing the idea of what marriage is past just a progression of dating, but actually yes. this new contract that you have to know what to expect and you have to know what you're committing to and you have to know what's important when you enter that contract. Um, one thing that I wanted to get your insight on is for people who have already entered that contract, the, a true marriage, um, who may find that the excitement that they had in the past is dwindling, what are some things they can do or how can they improve their excitement for their partner? How can they make time for romance when it seems like all the other stressors in life might be getting in the way? Yeah, good. Well, we can preface that with um, we can preface that with the idea that the number one success factor in your marriage is you. You are the number one success factor in your marriage. Okay, so from that point, we can build out into a greater understanding, right? <clears throat> There's a prevalent ideology today that um, There's a prevalent ideology today that my wife or my partner needs to make me happy. Right? She's not attractive to me anymore. She doesn't turn me on. I'm not feeling desire for her. 
right? We don't have as much fun together. These are all very normal. Because you said, Gabe, I like what you said, which is what would you tell people who, after they got married, may have slipped in their fun and excitement about the marriage. It's not may have slipped, it's have slipped because that's what happens to everybody, right? You're being nice. <laughs> so when we turn around the understanding of our responsibilities and our roles in marriage, we all of a sudden take on a brand new perspective that as opposed to dating, which I'm not gonna get into so much right now, Marriage is all about you, right? You have to work on desiring your wife. It's not that she doesn't turn you on. You have to work on getting turned on by your wife. Now, for many people, including me, it's no problem. My wife turns me on. It's not a big deal. I, I, I find my wife very attractive. But when I hear from people, whether it's a man or a woman, and they say, well, you know, he just doesn't do it for me anymore, or I just don't find myself attracted to him. I look at them and I say, wow, that really sucks for you. It would be really horrible to be married to somebody who you're not attracted to. What are you doing about it? Like, how are you, how are you changing that for yourself? Like, oftentimes they want that conversation to roll into, well, we should tell him to dress nicer or we should tell him to show up nicer or we should, they want, that's how the conversation, that's what the thought is that they're having in their head that where I'm gonna take it. And I usually take it the other way. I said, well, what are you doing to be more attracted to your husband? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So seeing your, don't forget, if you're married, that meant that at some point you were infatuated with this person, right? I mean, we don't get married to somebody who at some point, it may not have been yesterday, but at some point we were, so we need to work on bringing that back. We need to re-see this person through all the trials and tribulations and all the negative stuff that have happened. And there's a lot, you know, we need to re-see, we need to work on ourselves to re-see this person as that wonderful, beautiful, sexy, desiring, you know, incredible, flirty woman that we married. And that's, that's, you know, and it's not just about marriage. If you speak to sports stars, right? You speak to people in the athletics, right? How do you think a baseball, a basketball player feels after the 20th season, you know, as the, as the summer's rolling around and the spring training or whatever it is, fall training is coming up. I can't keep track of which sports start when, but <laughs> can you imagine lacing up that shoe? they have to get themselves excited about getting back on the court, those 5 a.m. workouts and those staying extra and practice, you know, all of a sudden, Steve, you know, Stephen, uh, Steph Curry comes along and they thought they could ignore their three-point shot for the last 15 years. And now everybody's got to learn how to take a three-pointer from half court, right? They got to get up early in the morning. And if they want to be part of the game, they have to be able to take that step back three, you know, from the 40 feet out. And he's been in the game for 15, 20 years, right? So it's up to him to get motivated to want to increase the passion and the desire and the affection. And you can do all that. You definitely can do all that if you make it your job to do that. 
Wow, man, really, really well said. And, you know, that's kind of a principle that I like to take on just in any area of life because it, it always holds true. It's just, you know, taking ownership and looking at the things that you're doing first. You know, you can't control what all the other people are doing around you. You can only control your actions on a daily basis. So I love that you brought that up. Um, one yeah. topic that I'd love for you to touch on is um, everything that's going on right now, for example, with the pandemic and say, you know, a married couple, they're both working at home right now. So they see each other a lot more. Um, what is your take on that? How have, how has this affected people? <laughs> sure, sure. Absolutely. It's a great question. And it's been uh, very interesting times for many people. First of all, I think it's added tremendous stress to relationships in general, a lot of stress. Now, not necessarily for everybody. There's been a lot of people who are so thankful that they don't have to go to the office anymore. And they were driving 45 minutes this way and 50 minutes back in traffic and you know just the hassle of, and they couldn't see their kids. So for many people, it's been a delight to have more time and freedom you know, around the house. That being said, um, there's been a lot of stress on families, especially families, because there's kids all of a sudden for a long time, the kids were actually at home, which was driving everybody bonkers, right? Because the kids couldn't care less. I mean, they probably were happy that they were at home, but you know, the parents now all of a sudden have to babysit the entire day and they're supposed to be working at their human resources job and he's a computer programmer. And it's like, how the heck are we going to do all this? So a lot of opportunities for fighting. One of the things that I strongly believe in, um, in marriage in general and in relationships in general is structure, right? Free for all works good for a short period of time, but without structure, um, relationships tend to take on a lot more stress and to have a lot more pressure on them than is healthy for them. And some of them don't survive. So if you're a couple that is at home one of the things that I do, for instance, is I have my own private space and my wife has her own private space. And we agree to meet up at certain times during the day. So it's not just a constant run around free for all during this time. I don't disturb my wife from, let's just say from nine to 12. And she doesn't come into my office from nine to 12 or my space. And at 12 o'clock, we have lunch together. Right. And then we break, maybe we'll take a two hour work thing. We'll take a walk in the afternoon and then we work a little bit more. So one of the things that people that I've helped couples with is establishing some sort of routine. And I'm sure this works the same thing with working out, right? It's the same analogy, you know, just somebody saying, you one of your questions probably is, okay, what time are you going to the gym every day? Right? Like, it's not just like, okay, did you get to the gym at some point during the week? Like, that's not going to work. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the <laughs> biggest practices we do for accountability is, you know, scheduling out your workout, like it's a, a meeting for work or a class or something like that. Something that's blocked out of your day. So you have no exactly what you're doing. And like you said, always comes back to that structure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when you implement structure in, in, in these times and even from, even for, let's just say you don't have enough room in your house, right? To, like we're lucky enough that we have an older home that has all these rooms in it. Um, but I would recommend as I do for most men who work from home, which is just a general tip, don't have a home office, go rent something for three, go rent a room somewhere, three, 400, $500 a month somewhere, 
get up in the morning, go to your space and work from there. I, when I say don't have a home office, it doesn't mean you can't work in your home sometimes, but it is a general rule. Um, as a man, I find it very helpful to leave the home. And if, and if you're working remotely, let's say you work for Spotify and they have this new rule that says everybody can work from their home. And of course, if you're single, then it's no problem. But if you're married and you have a family, I wouldn't recommend just turning the bedroom into an office. I would recommend that that person take 300 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month, go find some room, it could be leasing space in somebody's basement, whatever it is, and turn that into a space, their own space that they can get away to. And it's not just good for him, it's good for his wife, <laughs> it's good for the kids. You know, it's something that I, you know, I, I believe in very strongly. Well, that, that's, that's really eye-opening. I think that a lot of guys who have probably been, you know, maybe frustrated with stress as caused from working from home are probably going to find some relief in that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And their wives and, and their kids, like you said, as well. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Um, one, another question that Jack and I had, and this is a little bit uh, more geared kind of, I guess, towards our age bracket. Um, but obviously with, you know, technology and social media, it's been common for people to initiate relationships with the dating apps, with the sliding into someone's DMs. And yes. that, you know, obviously puts a, a very different perspective on how relationships uh, were initially initiated. So what do you think the negative effect of this new era of dating apps and sliding into DMs has had on people getting into relationships? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, a great point, which I hear a lot about, you know, I've, I don't know how red pilled you two boys are, but people always talk about um, how like the 80% of girls go for the 20% of guys. Have you heard that statistic? Um, I haven't heard that actually. I've been in a relationship since kind of before the dating app started, so I don't know too much about them. <laughs> You're like me, right? <laughs> um, but Jack, have you heard that? Like, you know, that, that with dating apps today, you get like thousands of women who are going for this top five or top 10% of guys and the other 80% of guys just get looked over. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I think that's a huge problem. I also understand that um, women the ratio of, and I don't know whether it's swipe right or swipe left, I don't know, but they get the, I want to connect with you, like thousands of percentages higher than men, you know, that a man can put yeah. his profile on and not get anything. Whereas even the dowdiest woman could put something up there and she'll get hundreds of requests. Yeah. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. yeah I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that it just kind of, it, it, it shifts everybody's perspective on, um, on what's normal. And yeah. I can imagine that women feel inflated to a certain extent because they, in their mind, there's so many guys that want them. And men feel depressed because they're not getting the attention that they need, even from people that they would like to date. So I can imagine that that would be very difficult. One of the things I thought was funny is when I went, when I went back to university, you know, let's say it was um, around 2010, <clears throat> I noticed when I was walking through the halls and through the courtyards that everybody was either staring at their phone or staring at an iPad or totally engrossed in a, um, in a computer. 
all over the place. You know, and the, when they're sitting on the grass, they, they're on their phone like this. When they're sitting in the lunch, they're on their phone like this. When they're sitting in the forum area there. And I was just thinking to myself that when I went to school back in the, in the 90s, early 90s, um, it was like you would walk around and people would look at you as you passed by. <laughs> I, know <it's, laughs> I know it sounds crazy. You guys might not even understand what I'm talking about, but it's a totally different feeling for men to have women who are just chatting with their friends and look up at people who are passing by and you could say hello. You didn't feel like you were disturbing them from some sort yeah. of Instagram, you know, something or another. You were just actually communicating like regular people. Yeah. Wow. And I said yeah. to myself, what a challenge for young men today. It was the first thing I thought of. I said, I can't believe this. It was so much easier for me because I could catch the attention of a woman's eyes and I could, you know, when you catch her eye, you can see whether she's open to a communication, whether she wants you to sit down, whether this will be something that you could pick up later on. I mean, it was a totally different feeling, you know? Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think about what I'm saying? That is, that makes so much sense. And like I said, at our age, I personally, I would feel like if I was walking down, you know, like a, a hall you know, on a college campus, I would feel like I've never want to interrupt anybody who's on their phone. <laughs> and exactly like, I've never had an instance where somebody looked over to me and you go, you say, Hey, and strike up a conversation, unless you already know the person <laughs> right. that, that is so mind blowing. It's something I never would have thought of. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's crazy how much, you know, people are on their phones these days. Like, I personally, I find it disrespectful if you're trying to have a conversation with someone and they're like, they're looking at their phone, looking up and down, you know, I, I, I absolutely hate that. And, you know, even like the, the picture that you're drawing up in my mind, it kind of, I haven't really experienced that in, in my lifetime, which is crazy. Like people <laughs> yeah. simply walking through life, actually looking where they're going. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy to think about. That is, yeah. yeah. I, as 20, 20, I'm 21, Jack's 20. That is I've never experienced that. Never experienced just right. walking through eye contact, waving to someone and yeah. talking to them. Yeah. That is totally. I've never even heard that. That's like the worst they could be doing would be that they were they were reading a book. That would be like the worst. Yeah. That'd be the most disconnected they could possibly be is reading a book. And I remember seeing this young woman stand, you know, sitting by a tree and she was reading a book. And I remember the feeling like I wanted to approach her. And I said to myself at the time, I mean, this is 30 years ago. And I still remember that feeling of feeling like, I don't think I should approach her. That was like the worst thing, but everybody else, everybody else was totally eyes open, chatting, you know, obviously people had conversations and, you know, sometimes you didn't feel like interrupting the conversation, else, but everybody was open, you passed through the hallway. So this is my suggestion, and I don't know what you guys think about it, but I would be interested, is that if you feel to yourself that human connection and this is my suggestion just in general, marriage, life, relationships, is that if something feels right to you and it's within the boundaries of respect, of course, you don't want to pull somebody's pants down just because you feel like it, right? <laughs> but if something feels right to you, um, you should stand proud in that and do it. So if you believe in human interaction and you see a young woman in a coffee shop and you feel it's appropriate to say hello or to talk to her or to even if she's on the phone. If I was a young man and I felt that that was the right way, that's how I wanted to establish a relationship, I would do it. Yeah. 
as difficult as it is and as kind of weird as it is mm-hmm. so what you know so what yeah i agree with you a hundred percent and one of the uh interesting things about both jack and i is um we're we're both in um long t- we've been in long-term relationships that we're very happy in and both of our relationships started initially with that first glance and it was immediately i need to go talk to her and yeah. how, how lucky are we that we are in those moments where we were able to you know catch you know the eye of a girl and want to initiate a relationship immediately by talking yeah. to them and i can't imagine how difficult it is for a guy in, in this day and age who's not in a relationship who has to you know overcome all those boundaries of trying to connect with somebody who's disconnected totally you know and if you think about it from a woman's perspective right for me it seems much more frightening for women than it does for men because the idea of meeting somebody virtually online and then going to a coffee shop and meeting them or wherever they go to dinner it just seems so risky i mean yeah. you never you never know it i mean this person's picture might not even be them like I don't know all the safeguards that people put into place, but at least if you're on a college campus, you see the person, you see their friends, or if you're at a Starbucks, like you see the man that's coming up to you and, you know, you can agree you're in a public space, you know, but um, it's challenging on one hand. On the other hand, you know, there's been a lot of success stories and it's opened up the world to many people. And, you know, like everything in technology, it's got its pluses and its minuses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, there's obviously a ton of relationships that have started through online dating or something like that. But I would think just from my perspective is that maybe for a guy listening, um, if they were to start approaching women being the, the man that actually does that and goes up to talk to them, that would maybe separate them from, you know, most of the other men today. Yeah, exactly. What I've seen, what I've experienced uh, with just the people that I see is a lot of guys are just scared to actually approach women. They just do it all through online, through Instagram, DMing girls. I mean, that's, that's fine too, but I feel like actually going up and talking to them, that separates you Yeah, from my perspective, you know? Yeah. I have a funny story. I was, um, I used to drink coffee. I gave it up about six months ago. I've drunk coffee for about 30 years and I just stopped cold turkey, which I like to brag about because <laughs> impressive. I really don't think, yeah, impressive, right? <laughs> well, I got to the point where I was really drinking like three or four cups of, you know, Starbucks a day or like Starbucks light coffee a day. And I was just walking around all day like this. And I said to myself, okay, this is outrageous. You know, I just have to stop, you know? And I tried so many times with just limiting the number of cups and it just didn't work. Like it would, I would be good for like a week. And then the second cup would come in then the third cup. And then by the time it was four o'clock, I had my fourth cup and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. Anyway, so now I drink tea, which like herbal tea with no caffeine. So that's really good. Um, and that, that I don't have a desire to have more than one or one or at most two cups a day. Like there's no addictive quality to that. Anyway, that was just a sidebar. But um, the funny story that I wanted to tell is that I was once standing in line for Starbucks and um, the barista, you know, you could see her, she's hustling and she's doing her thing and trying to get everybody their coffees and stuff like that. And there was a young man in front of me. He, um, he looked a little bit like you, Gabe, you know, just, <laughs> just like you. And it was his turn. And the barista looked at him and she says, what can I, how can I help you? And he said, um, it was like a huge pause. And he said, how are you? How are you, how are you feeling? 
<laughs> and she looks at him, she's, she's like, she's, she's like, took a step back and she sighed and her whole shoulders went down. She said, thank you so much for asking me. And <laughs> anybody who was watching this interaction thought he was going to take out an engagement ring and give it to her right there. I mean, it was so intense. It was so much energy in that statement. Like when he was asking, he was looking at her straight in the eyes. He's like, how are you? Like, really? How are you? And she's like, oh. I'm telling you, if he would have asked her for her number right there or anything, she would have just, I thought she was going to jump across the, the actual countertop <laughs> and say, will you marry me? You know, it was like awesome. such an intense moment, you know? And so I do believe that, the, that there is, and this was just a couple of years ago, you know, I think that people are thirsting for that authentic connection, you know? And I do think that, um, that it's possible, you know, I do think that women are receptive to that, you know, if it's done, he, he, he wasn't trying to pick her up, he was just being a straight up man, you know, yeah, and uh, he wasn't like this rich businessman or anything like that, he was just a regular guy who had a very powerful presence and self-confidence, and he was able to give to her that moment of connection that she really craved, you know, mm -hmm. that wasn't on a screen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the point that that story makes is, is so it's, it's even more hopeful in this day and age, because if anything, like you said, women are craving that connection even more. And if you're the guy that can, you know, offer someone that connection, it's not only effective, but it actually separates you. It puts you in the top 1% of all the guys she's been connecting with online who have just been swiping right on her and yeah. asking her the same question in the messages. So I think that it's, it's even more powerful um, now than it may have been when, when, uh, when social media wasn't conflating things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a really hopeful message. Um, another subject that I want to get into today too, is uh, the subject of love languages. So something that you talk about and, uh, you know, more applicable towards people who are in relationships already. Um, and it kind of comes back to what we were saying about accountability and shared values and being the best person you can be taking ownership. Um, but an issue that a lot of people face is realizing that they have a different love language maybe than their partner or thinking that they are incapable of satisfying their partner's love language. Maybe your partner's love language is, um, you know, like, gifts and that I'm not too familiar on the exact definitions, but gift receiving or gift giving. And you just think, well, I can't think of like good gifts to give something as simple <laughs> as that. So yeah. what are some things people can do to work to satisfy, to satisfy their partner's love languages if it's different than their own? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Good question. I like how you originally stated the question, which you, when you brought it up, that you know, um, with regards to love languages, a common, um, I love the love languages. I think they're great. And I, I actually oftentimes integrate them with some of the, uh, I like to play a good game. Did you guys do the love language quiz, by the way? Did you ever take that quiz with your partner? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've never taken it. <laughs> okay. So he, uh, Gary Chapman, who wrote the book, The Five Long Languages, he has a quiz, that, a free quiz that you can download and it helps you determine like what your love languages are. And, um, one of the things I like to do with couples, which is really fun, is for them to fill it out 
right? And then before they give the answer of what they got, I have the other partner guess what their partner's love language is and give a reason why. And it's just so insightful for each person because um, like they see their partner in a different way. Like, like the man, let's say his love language was, let's say physical touch and words of affirmation. Right. So let's say the wife thinks that his is gift giving and something else. Right. So then you can immediately see rather than just allow him to say these are my love languages. It's more insightful to me to see what she has been, how she has seen this man this whole time. And um, you wouldn't believe how much interesting conversation and getting to know each other occurs when when you do it this way. It's really fun. And it's like it's a great process for couples to go through. But one of the um, one of the. I would say one of the challenges of love languages is one of the things that you had mentioned, Gabe, which is, you know, my partner doesn't satisfy my love language, right? So again, when we look at it from the perspective that I shared before, what we want to do is we want to focus not on what I'm not getting, right? They don't do this for me. That would be a dangerous way to use the love language because that would separate you from your partner, but how you can better do for them. Right? Because what happens in general in life and in relationships is that everybody kind of views relationships as this, um, there's a famous example of like a bank account, right? It's like a love bank account where you deposit coins in. And we're, a marriage is, is an opportunity for us to invest in something greater than us. So if I'm able to invest in making you happy, and again, let's just forget the phrase making you happy for a second because somebody can say, oh, you can't make somebody else happy. And that's fine. Let's just leave that to the side. But I can do my best to, to inspire you to be happy, right? That raises the bar of the whole dynamic such that you're more encouraged to invest in the relationship too, which would include making me happy, right? And again, I'm not doing that so that I get back. However, we are investing, no, none of us are saints here, right? We all have a personal interest in making our wives happy and also feeling good. That's part of why we're in relationship. No one here is a Mother Teresa. So when we focus on how we can best meet their needs in general, right? So that's gonna be a big benefit to them which in turn will, will come back to us. Or sometimes like, like as a husband, and I guess since we're all men here, we can talk about it. Oftentimes for a man, it's not about getting back from her what you put in. Oftentimes it's allowing that coin to roll downhill to your kids. Imagine if your wife is all stressed out, right? And she's feeling sad and depressed about something. And you've got three little kids. When I can step up as a man and fulfill her happiness quotient or whatever she needs. I'm more concerned at this point, not that she turns around and gives me the energy, but that she goes down, it goes downhill to my children such that she can be the best mommy that she can be, right? So I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, forget about, I don't need more energy from you to be focused on me at that point. I need more energy from you to be focused on what we both agree is the priority here, which is our children. So to answer your question more specifically, though, every, every person can do every one of those love languages. They just have to start small. That's all they need to do. And that's part of some of the things that I do in my programs working with men and women is whether it's increasing gratitude, which would be a verbal, or 
spring flowers every Friday, which is something that I have on my Twitter feed. Gabe, you'll start getting these little things every Friday afternoon to bring flowers to your girlfriend, and I hope that you do. Um, uh, or doing an act of kindness, right? Or increasing in your spiritual growth. Every one of these things can be started with just one step. Like sometimes when I get new clients and I say, okay, bring your wife flowers. And I always like them to take a picture of the flowers and send it to me, you know, kind of accountability like you guys yeah. do, right? Show me a picture of yourself at the gym today, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so sometimes these guys come with these, you know, what look like $60 bouquets. And I say, no, 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 that's not what we're doing here. This isn't about overwhelming your girlfriend or your wife with this romantic gesture. That's not what this is about. This is a, a 10 to $12 bouquet from the local grocery store that you bring home every Friday. And it's a symbol of the fact that you respect your wife, you appreciate her and you love her. That's all it is, right? And everything can be started small, you know? And I'm sure with the gym, you guys have the exact same analogy. No? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to, you know, if, if Mrs. Jones wants to lose 20 pounds, we're not gonna give her a program and say, you're going to become the next world record breaking power lifter. <laughs> We're going to start with losing the first five pounds. <laughs> and that's the same thing with the love languages. There's, there's nothing in there that nobody can't do. If it's just a gratitude or words of affirmation, I have people start off with, um, you know, saying one nice thing about their husband every day in text message. I mean, how hard is that? I mean, the guy woke up in the morning and went to work. <laughs> that alone is worth, you know, wow, I saw how, I, I noticed that you got up this morning to go to work. I'm so happy to be married to such a responsible man. Simple, right? You know, it makes me feel so safe that I've got somebody who cares about providing for our family. How hard is that? Right. You know, it's like a simple thing that you can do. <clears throat> Again, the flowers, if your wife, if your girlfriend, you know, does something for you, they like maybe she listened to you when you had a problem. You could text her and you can just say, the other day when I was sharing my feelings with you, I noticed how attentive you were to my issues. I really love that about you. It's not over the top. It's not, you know, will you marry me? It's, it's just, <laughs> it's a simple appreciation that anybody could write for literally anything. Even if she didn't do anything for you, let's just say your girlfriend, let's say you notice, does your girlfriend go to work? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Does she, does she get dressed to go to work? Yeah. Does she, well, I mean, does she get dressed up to go to work? That's what I meant to say. Um, yeah, I'll say okay. so. Okay. So you can even say something like that. You know, I noticed, I noticed that when you went to work today, you look so professional in your attire. I, I love being in relationship with somebody who cares about the way she appears. Yeah. Or cares about her appearance. Right. Yeah. There's, there's guys that strangely are relatable to myself. <laughs> <laughs> There are guys that are dating women who are literally in sweatshirt and t-shirt all day and never put on makeup, never, you know, so if, if you're married to somebody or in your relationship with a woman who does do those things and you find that, if you say to yourself, oh, that's a nice thing, like, yeah, you know, and then you just let her know, right? So anybody can do any of these things. You just have to kind of figure out, you know, what do you think about what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's incredibly powerful. And going back to what you were saying about, you know, these like small, these super small acts of kindness, like they pay large dividends. I'm a huge believer that small details always add up. You know, anyone can do that little text message in the morning. Hey, I really appreciate you for, you know, making dinner last night. It tastes amazing. You're an amazing yeah. chef. That's it. Simple like that. You can, 
you will always find what you're looking for. So if you're someone who's, you know, always complaining, that's a constant spiral that you get into. You come home from work, you complain with your wife or significant other. Uh, and then I had all these bad clients that are, you know, bugging me all this. It creates this cycle with your wife. She's going to start complaining back to you. And you don't want that. You can reverse that with these simple acts of kindness of, you know, saying those small things of appreciation. So I think, you know, these small details, like you're saying, they, they do add up massively. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have a story with a client who, um, he started, I, I asked him, I said, okay, what's one thing that you can do? He's, he calls me and he's complaining about his wife, blah, 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 blah. So after I let him complain, which is normal because everybody has to vent, right? That's what I'm here for. I'm here to listen to people venting. I don't, I respect that about each person. But one thing I said to him after the whole, after that 35 minute <laughs> tirade was over, I said, okay, what's one thing you can do this week to connect with your wife? What's one thing you can do like either this week or every day, just one thing. So he said, well, last week I brought her a cup of coffee in the morning while she was still in bed and she loved that. So I said, okay, how about this week? I said, do you have time to make the coffee? He says, yeah, I have, I have a few minutes before I go to work and I make myself a cup of coffee. I just have to press the button again and make her one. So I said, okay, how about every day this week, you walk up to her room with a fresh cup of coffee and you just put it by your bedside. <laughs> the next week I spoke to him, he's like, everything's better. We're all done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what about the rest of the sessions you paid for? <laughs> Incredible. Oh gosh. Right? Yeah, I mean, your business would kind of suck if, like, you could just tell them to do three things and they next week they came and they looked like Superman, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. But yeah, I mean, little, like you just said, you know, little things make a big difference and they can turn the tide. See, I just want you to remember this, even for you two boys in your relationships, just remember this. At some point, you two were infatuated with each other, right? Just remember that. So when things go south and you're angry and you're looking at this person like, this is a total stranger to me, you know, and I can't stand this anymore. Remember in your head, at some point you were totally infatuated with this person. That person is still there and you can bring out that person. You know, you just need to change a few little things and, you know, you can have that great. It's never going to be the same as the first year, the first six months, but so what? You're not the same. Life isn't the same. It's not supposed to be the same. If you're fantasizing that it is supposed, if you're fantasizing that the rest of your life is supposed to be the honeymoon phase, you do, right? And again, even with muscle growth, it's the same. And what I've heard from muscle growth, they call it like first year gains or something like that. Yeah, newbie gains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just remember that that person is still, is still right there, you know, and you can always bring that out. Incredible. Yeah. During this conversation, I've, you know, had quite a few light bulbs go off in my head, things <laughs> that I'm taking away that I'm definitely going to apply into my own relationship and into the future as well. Um, I think you really shared some absolute gems here. So we're so grateful to, you know, have you come on the show and share all this with us. And I'm sure everyone listening is feeling the same. So uh, thank you, man, for coming on the show. And I'm sure everyone is wondering where can they find you online? Where can they get help from you? Sure. Of course. So um, thanks for asking. Um, the easiest way to find me is on my website, David Feldman, D-O-V-I-D-F-E-L-D-M-A-N.com. So DavidFeldman.com. And from there, I have tons of blog posts. I have a great resource library. I've got podcasts and I have some, um, I'm starting, a, I have a new YouTube channel, just a few little things. Um, that's a lot of fun. 
but if you want to see like day-to-day -day stuff and more live just join my twitter feed and it's just at david feldman and uh, that's the easiest way to kind of connect with me i do have lots of different programs for couples um i have a couples workshop 15 sessions the women uh, i meet with the men and the women and then my, the women actually get a little extra because they get to work with my wife who's a mind body somatic healer and the women usually love speaking with her which is nice because sometimes ladies need to speak differently you know, to other women yeah. than they would to me um, and if you're a young man and you want to talk about premarital, you know, stuff or you're in relationships, I have a personal growth package. It's about six sessions and all that, you know, you can sign up for a free clarity call right off my website. So you can just go there, sign up for a call. It's a 20 minute call and we can chat about what's going on. And if, and if it works out, you know, we can start working together. So that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Rob, that is fantastic. You're truly um doing great work in the world man and you're offering you. so much help to people who need it so i'm really glad that we were able to have you on the show um and spread your message and spread your mission to uh to our audience and and to people who may be looking for relief and looking for hope and uh, looking for you know what they desire out of their relationship so really appreciate your time today thank you thank you it's been my pleasure meeting both of you and looking forward to seeing you both online <laughs> likewise okay Wow, an amazing discussion with David Feldman. I think one of the most inspiring and hopeful themes that came out of all of the little subjects we touched on um, was that at the end of the day, you have more power over your outcome than you probably think. It, a lot of the times it comes down to the things you can do, the, the things you can improve on and the choices you can make. And some people might be afraid of that responsibility, but I think it's actually a really hopeful message. All right, and if you're not following him on Twitter, go ahead and definitely check him out. We'll have his links in the description as well as his website if you're looking to get help uh, from the master himself. He truly knows himself, as you heard on this podcast. Um, and if you're looking to get in touch with us, myself and Gabe, main place Ron is on Twitter. So go ahead and check us out on there. And if you're looking to transform your body, really take back control of your health, your fitness, then go ahead and message either one of us on Twitter, the word transformation, and we'll get in touch. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and give it five stars. We would greatly appreciate it. That is all. You have an amazing rest of your day.